if I have the right program up, would be in great shape. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Screen Geeks Radio, episode 131. This is Dave. This is Barry. This is uh, Willow Smith, the creator of the hit single, I Whip My Hair Back and Forth. <laughs> is that any good? I haven't even heard it yet. You haven't heard it yet? No, I don't have a, no, I don't listen to pop radio. How is that, it? Is it good? That song is like all the rage at my at my university, so. Uh, wow, at your university nonetheless. Not your high school, your university they're listening to it. So it's good? Is it catchy? or? Uh, you should watch the music video, just saying. <laughs> is it Bieber-esque? It's Willow Smith with paint in her hair just whipping it around a room for like three minutes. It's pretty amazing. Huh. Wow. That does sound like something to see. I, I can live the rest of my life without ever seeing or hearing that, I think. Well, clearly I'm missing out, so I want to experience this pop culture phenomenon. Man, sad, those, uh, sad man. those Smith kids, man, they're just like little money. They're like locusts. They yeah, just man, won't you turn disappear, them upside down and coins jingle up, man. I mean, they're just... Man. If only Scott Pilgrim would kill them and get their coins. If only those kids were talented. But well, yeah. okay, there it is. Wow. Oh. This is going to be one of those episodes. I can already feel it. Dun, dun. Oh, yeah. All right, well, let's go ahead and talk about what we watched over the past week or two. This is actually take two, episode 131, so sorry for the delay, but such is life. Um, Barry, why don't you kick us off, sir? Uh, I saw the new Woody Allen film called You Will Meet a Tall, Dark Stranger, which is one of his least essential films. And I'm a huge Woody oh. Allen film, uh, so I don't I don't say that lightly. Uh, amazing cast, all giving very relaxed performances, which is nice. It's fun to see, like, Anthony Hopkins, as opposed to being ha- really hammy like he's been lately. He's, uh, he's very amusing and very good in the film, and everybody's good in the movie. But uh, it's just, it's not a very interesting story. And nobody in the cast can make the story more interesting. And it recycles a lot of ideas from Mighty Aphrodite and Annie Hall. And, yeah, it's just like one of these Woody Allen movies where he's just kind of backtracking and doing what he already did. I suspect he made the movie just because he wanted to cast these gorgeous women in it because there's all these scenes. And, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm I'm not one of these guys like, Woody Allen's a dirty old man. But watching this movie, I, that kind of crossed my mind because there's all these crotch shots of these actresses. Like, <laughs> I mean, seriously. And I'm, 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 I'm trying to just be honest and report what I saw. Like, the movie has, like, all sorts of shots of, like, Naomi Watts, Frida Pinto, Lucy Punch um, who else all these gorgeous women in the movie like wearing short shorts or like in their underwear or it's like all these crotch shots of them I'm like I don't. I wonder if Woody Allen made this movie for himself as opposed to a, to a wide audience so anyway so, <laughs> I'm leaving it alone okay <laughs> yeah so not, not, a, not a good movie um, you know another real disappointment I've never seen this film in its entirety I finally sat down and watched uh, Robert Altman's MASH I'm really not a fan of this movie really I really don't what? like it what no, I don't like MASH and I, I love Altman's films but this for me it's just such a dated film and I, get, I understand why it was such a bold and breakthrough film and groundbreaking and influential movie for its time but but now I just I don't find it funny I really don't um, I, I saw it for the first hmm. time like a month ago and I thought it was awesome like yeah. uh, what's that guy's name uh Elliot Gould. Uh, Elliot Gould, yes, Elliot Gould. I just, I love watching that guy. Yeah, no question. I thought the actors were great and the movie was well done. And I understand, you know, why the why Altman's style, you know, the voyeuristic camera work and the overlapping dialogue was was radical for its day. But 
it's just it's probably one of my least favorite Altman movies, honestly. So I hmm. yeah, just didn't didn't really connect to it. Um, another movie I really did not like, and I know you and I are going to disagree on this, is uh, Prince of Persia: The Sands of Time. Okay, I, I I'm, I, I'm not I didn't like it enough to really defend it. But okay, I thought it was fun. I I didn't dig it. I just thought it was so artificial, and and starting with Gyllenhaal's performance, like to me, he's obviously somebody who really hit the gym to play this part. But like, I I never <laughs> believed for a second that he was this character. Never. Um, and I never believed in the movie. I, like for me, the special effects were kind of hot and cold. I thought Ben Kingsley and, and Alfred Molina were kind of doing what they've done before, much better in other movies. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it was clearly such a franchise starter, and I don't think it started a franchise. So. Okay. Yeah, didn't care for that one. I saw the new film by Neil Jordan called um, Ondine. Ondine, rather Ondine. It's spelled Ondine. I pronounce Ondine. Um, a little bit of a disappointment. Not a bad film. Um, this is the first purely Irish film that Neil Jordan's made in years. He's done a lot of subpar Hollywood movies of recent, like he did uh, The Brave One with Jodie Foster. On Dean is, is the first film he's done in Ireland in a long time. This is, of course, the guy who directed The Crying Game, Mona Lisa. Um, it stars Colin Farrell, who gives a wonderful performance. And the movie's good to a point. The problem is, kind of like uh, Danny Boyle's um, Millions, it goes back and forth between very between being this really sweet fable and also being this really gritty, ugly crime drama, and it it uh, it just can't go back and forth like that. And it just kind of kills the film, but uh, not bad. A film I really liked, and I know Ethan said it was really good, and I'm glad I I'm glad I listened to Ethan and checked it out. And that's uh, Get Him to the Greek. Really surprised how good that was. Uh, I thought that was a really solid comedy. Um, Puff Daddy was spectacular in that film. Um, what a wonderful comic performance! I thought, but I thought Russell Brand was excellent. I thought he was really great at, at kind of balancing off the aspects of that character that were really lovable and the aspects that were really pathetic. Um, yeah, I thought it was a really solid film. I liked it as probably as much as Sarah Marshall. And then really, fi- yep, definitely. And then finally, I saw uh, uh, one of those Masters of Horror episodes, John Carpenter's Pro Life, which is pretty outrageous. I got to say, um, it has an excellent performance by Ron Perlman. And some extraordinary creature effects in the latter part of the film. Great, great makeup effects. Um, It's completely outrageous. It's not brilliant like Cigarette Burns was, I thought. Um, But if you're a John Carpenter fan and you want to hear a movie that was scored by Cody Carpenter, which apparently is his son, I think. um, Yeah, it's definitely worth checking out for for horror fans. Really, really well done. It takes every angle from the abortion issue you could think. And it's really, really clever and really disgusting and very memorable. (laughs) All right. Cool. Do we do we want to hold off on talking about stars stuff until after the festival's over? Just do like uh, a big blow up episode. Yeah, we could do that. We could do that because uh, I mean we you know I mean after the festival's over we're going to talk about Black Swan. So yeah, that's true. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll hold just, on. Yeah. Okay, that works. Then I'll go next because I got like two things in that case. Okay. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> excuse me, because just because lots and lots of films from the Stars Denver Film Festival. It is a good time. There's a lot of good stuff to watch. Um, I guess I'll just start off with The Walking Dead. Did either of you watch The Walking Dead? I haven't episode? seen the trailer yet. I, I, the, the pilot, I've heard it's terrific. Yeah, I, I'll get around to it. Okay. It's really good. Yeah, it, it, it lives up to the comic, which oddly enough is very much like a mature rated, you know, it, this is a rough comic. I mean, it's, it's essentially instead of, you know, a zombie movie where at the end everyone gets saved, this is the zombie apocalypse and no one's coming to help you. So it's really depressing. It's very... It's very dark, but it's very well done. And Frank Darabont, I don't know how he did it, but he figured out a way to uh, get this done with a TV-14 rating. And it stays very true to the dark feeling of it, but also to the great character development of the stories as well. Great. 
Uh, yeah, I'm just loving. It. I can't wait to watch more tonight because did he it's only amazing. direct the pilot or like the subsequent episodes? He only or? directed the pilot, I think. Okay. but there's only six episodes this season. Oh wow. Okay. Isn't he the showrunner on it too? He is. He is. He's the one who got it off the ground. He's the executive producer, along with Robert Kirkman. So, yeah, really good stuff. Well worth checking out. And then I know Barry didn't get to it because he had to go to class. Did you get to go to a Tron night, Ethan? I think I was like writing an annotated bibliography the night it happened. So <laughs> welcome wow. to my world. I'm so sorry to hear that, sir. Uh, that was incredibly good. Except I I hate to do it because Disney's always been very good to us. But I have to call them out on one thing. Uh, you know, it sold out in like a day or two. That theater wasn't even half full. Mm-hmm. I, I I see, and I've been reading a lot of that around from different theaters. So I'm almost wondering if they they artificially sold it out to try to build up buzz or something. And, sure. Sure. No, no, like I told you, you're the you're, the previous year, the same thing with Avatar Day. Julie and I went all the way to Denver for Avatar Day, and uh, the lots, lots of seats available. So, yeah, you know. uh, but the the scenes themselves were great. Essentially, what they did is they took five different scenes from the movie, and did, they didn't make it, you know, just just kind of this this sizzle reel or anything. It was different parts setting up character development, different parts with great action. The 3D is really fun I gotta say the way that they did it because they're, they're keeping the, the, the feeling of Tron which is you know that everything is kind of a, a translucent glass floor type thing so when they're riding in the, in the recognizer and he looks down yeah there's floor but he can see the entire world below him and hey. it just looks astounding um, the guy who plays Sam Flynn I forget the actor's name Garrett Hedlund something like that he didn't seem near I mean he didn't knock my socks off but he didn't suck out loud by a long shot either uh, the scene with, with Kevin Flynn was actually really good. The, the best thing I can say, there wasn't a single scene I saw that I wanted to end. So I cannot wait until December 17th or whenever the heck it is we get to see it. I'm sure I'm going to be seeing it a few times. So and, uh, Unless Garrett Hedlund is the, the Hayden Christensen of this series. We hope not. We hope not. Because didn't, didn't Hayden Christensen look pretty good from the trailers of Attack of the Clones? Don't you think? I thought he looked pretty good. And then you see the movie and you see him trying to woo Natalie Portman in the desert. And like, oh, okay, this... This isn't working. <laughs> you know, I think I've honestly blocked those movies out enough okay. that I don't. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I'll put it that way. I'm, I'm very hopeful. I can't wait to see it. That discussion will come up again when you see The People versus George Lucas. No and question. And I'll be seeing it on next Sunday. You're going to enjoy yourself, sir. Oh, I, yeah. I, yeah. 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 All right. And uh, I guess that's all I've really watched because everything else has been Stars Denver Film Fest. So, Ethan, what you been watching, sir? Uh, I finally got around to seeing a movie I had wanted to see for a while because I'm a big fan of the director, but it had been so panned I had put it off. But I finally saw Elizabeth Town. Oh wow! Rightfully so, panned. <laughs> I'm gonna take that as a yes. Instant review right there. Uh, I like I literally I was flabbergasted by how a mo- from someone I respect so much. A movie that is so just unfunny, irritating, and shallow could honestly come from him. Like I was, like I was honestly flabbergasted by how bad this movie was. Like just stunned. Like un, it was so unbelievably bad. I was like, what the? Like at least Vanilla Sky is. It just feels like a failed experiment. You're it's like ambitious. Okay, still. You, you, yeah, it's like, but it didn't work out. But whatever, just do a good movie now. And this is him kind of trying to return to that familiar territory. But it just, it, it's so just irritating and just, oh, it's so bad. And the two leads, like uh, Orlando Bloom, I don't like hate him, but he brings nothing to that character. And Kirsten Dunst, I usually actually like her, but that character is so already underwritten and underdeveloped that just she, and she can't bring anything to it either. And I just, and that whole, oh, that's Susan Sarandon. Oh, 
brutal. Only good thing was a My Morning Jacket cameo. Only good thing. Other than that, oh. Oh. I, so I, bad. I'm going to have to disagree with you on that because I think it's a flawed film and probably one of his weakest films that I didn't think it was terrible. You didn't like the whole the ongoing joke about the wedding that was going on at the hotel while he was staying there? You didn't think that was fun? I thought there was going to be more payoff to that, to be honest. Okay. It seemed like they were setting up something up and then there was like no great payoff. And... <sighs> I didn't buy that Kirsten Dunst could have uh, gone to all those places for him that, you know, that she put together the map and the mixtape and the locations and all that for him in like seemingly 24 hours. But I thought it was a really lovely way to end the film. I really liked the way the movie wrapped up. It was well, very sentimental. I'm, that's I'm, for sure. I'm, I'm glad you liked it. I'm the one person <laughs> who liked Elizabeth Town. No, I did like the film, but I agree with you. I mean, Orlando Bloom is, he's a lightweight. Let's just face it. He's a really lightweight guy. He can't really carry a film. I think he's good at, you know, He's good at carrying the load, but he can't just totally solely carry a film by himself. And I think this movie is proof of that because it's it's kind of a low key role. But like, I think even Tom Cruise would have been better at this part. So, you don't like any of the opening with with the with the with the company basically crumbling around him and Alec Baldwin. Actually, I will say I did like Alec Baldwin's cameo. Alec Baldwin is always funny. So, but even even Crow will be the first to admit this movie doesn't work. I mean, you probably read that the original cut of it was like three and a half hours long. And he, you know, it was a disaster when he when he previewed it, so he cut it down to two and a half hours long, and it still feels really messy. And it, it is, it's a really messy film. So it's kind of like a mixtape where like half the songs are like Bob Dylan and The Cure, and the other half is like The Spice Girls, and you're like, what? So, dang. Yeah. All right. So what else have you that's seen? A good way of putting it. <laughs> uh, actually, I saw a film you've been wanting me to see for a while, uh, Youth Without Youth. Yeah. Um, I wasn't crazy about it. But I'm I'm glad that he made it to be honest, because mm-hmm. it just felt like you know it's like he needs to make a movie again, try out some things nobody wants to do, and the movie at times was a bit of a chore to sit through. But again, it, it was interesting, and there was a lot of visually cool things in it, and uh, it kind of actually reminded me of Raiders of the Lost Ark at a certain point, you know, with <laughs> the whole uh, Nazi yeah, element. Sure. But, yeah, but uh, yeah, again, it, I'm I'm glad I saw it, and it looked good on Blu-ray, so. Um, next, I watched uh, the Peter Weir film, The Mosquito Coast. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, I liked it. Uh, I think it's probably the best performance I've ever seen uh, Harrison Ford give, to be honest. Yeah. Though it's interesting how he's so, I mean, he's so different in this than any other movie, but there's one point in the movie where he says, get off my land. <laughs> and it's so... <laughs> nice little foreshadowing there. No, he's, br- he's brilliant in that movie. He's he's completely unsympathetic and it's such an intense performance I love his work in that film he sort of reminded me of my dad at certain points his relationship <laughs> with River Phoenix interesting yeah hmm. um, next I saw Secrets and Lies oh yeah uh, which was absolutely I think this movie solidifies for me that Mike Lee is one of our best filmmakers I, uh, I just think his approach is brilliant and it's funny when you watch it and you realize how he lets all his actors just create almost all of that it just it blows your mind and yeah I I think that guy's amazing um, next uh, I'm what I'm writing a paper on David Cronenberg for my uh, English Canadian film class so good for I, you. Uh, good for you. I'm trying to see all of his films and uh, I started out with uh, one I hadn't seen uh, crash yeah uh, yeah <laughs> interesting movie <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? <laughs> Anything else you want to say about um, it? Or? Yeah, 
it's it kind of solidifies like it just reinforces everything I don't like about driving. I'll say that. <laughs> Isn't it an interesting idea though? Like it's this it's this world where the 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 sexual attitudes that we're used to are completely distorted. People being completely and utterly turned on by wreckage and carnage, and it's this connection between sex and violence, of course, that all of Cronenberg's movies about. But I, I think it's just fascinating that someone made a movie that that just goes like, you know, this is going to be disturbing because it should be titillating, but instead it's deeply disturbing and and showing us something we've. It's like watching aliens have sex. It's like, what the heck are we watching? Yeah, I like. I mean, I think it's a brilliant movie. I'm not bashing it. I'm just saying, whoa. <laughs> and, uh, and that's something I, you're gonna be adding to your collection. Uh, I'm, I'm putting that one in the spank bank. Uh, <laughs> All right, there it is. Uh, actually, I want to mention though, um, Elias Coteus. I mean, yes. I really, really, I, I think he's one of, honestly, one of the best actors of the '90s. I agree. Like, I, I see him in all these, like, Goyan and Cronenberg, and all these Canadian movies, and he's awesome in every one of them. So, his his performance in the Thin Red Line is one of my favorite things about that film. He's he's freaking brilliant. Um, I agree with you. I I keep hoping. The Denver Film Fest will honor him because this year we're honoring Elliot Gould, which I think is kind of a limited choice. But like Coteus, like he continues to be brilliant, and people forget about it. He's just one of these guys who just kind of melds into the film. And considering he began his career essentially with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and from there he's worked with Cronenberg, <laughs> hey, he was Casey Jones, and he, you know, yeah, that's that's a lot. Oh, Coteus. that just destroyed my brain. Yeah, that's Coteus. Wow. Okay. Yeah, he started with that, and yeah, and like you're saying, he worked with Cronenberg and Malick and 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 Egoyan. I mean, the guy is effing brilliant, and. And it's just, it's just, it's shameful that he's never been up for an Academy Award. That is like ridiculous. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> that that was all I watched. So. Okay, cool, right on. Well, then let's go ahead and move into what hit theaters this past weekend. And some of the oh, one of them is limited, and we still can't talk about it because it hasn't here yet. Here yet, has it? Nope, not yet. Okay, no. it'll be after Thanksgiving. We'll talk yeah. about. It. <sighs> All right, well, this week in theaters, I got numbers for us, too. Uh, the number one movie in America, Megamind, with Will Ferrell and Brad Pitt, opening with $47 million. Truly, the holiday movie season has begun. $47 million. Opening up at uh, $33 million. Very strong opening. Due date, new film from Todd Phillips, starring Rod, uh, Rod, Robert Downey Jr. and Zach Galifianakis. 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 One day I'll say his name right, but not today. Uh, the new film from Tyler Perry for Colored Girls, originally called For Colored Girls, but, but now it's For for Color for Colored Girls. That's what the movie's for. It's For Colored Girls. I really don't like that title. They should have kept the original title, which is much more poetic. Anyway, For Colored Girls made $20 million over the weekend, which more than covers its budget. Um, opening way down at number 15, uh, Doug LeMann's new film, Fair Game, with Sean Penn and uh, Naomi Watts, opening up with a whopping $700,000, which basically like covers all the hair product used in that film. Um, but not the budget by by a long shot. In limited release, you got Danny Boyle's 127 Hours, starring James Franco, Kate Mara, and Amber Tamlin. We'll talk mm-hmm. about that in the near future. A yes. uh, film that Marty is madly in love with, and everybody I know who's seen it is madly in love with, and that's Four Lions. I've heard this is a fantastic movie. We get that in Denver on Thanksgiving weekend. Do we? We do, Ooh. yep. Uh, Client 9, The Rise and Fall of Elliot Spitzer. More movies about how the rich got richer and the poor got poorer, and we got our revenge so, yeah, Elliot Spitzer's story, fun stuff. Um, welcome to the Rileys, the uh, Kristen Dunst, not Kristen Dunst, Kirsten Dunst, what's her name? Kristen Stewart. Kristen. They're all the same to me. Kristen Stewart. It's the Kristen Stewart stripper movie. That's what, how people know this film. Um, it's already Bella, how could you? Sorry. Yeah, okay. it, and it's already mm. flopped, too. I mean, this thing, is, this thing is on its way out. 
And then finally, a film that Dave and I saw a year ago, and we had to remind each other that we saw it a year ago at the Denver Film Fest, Guy and Madeline on a park bench opening in a whopping one whole screen. In New York. But hey, they opened. And Guy and Madeline. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of amazed the film got opened. This film is in black and white. It's sheer minimalism. And it's basically this. Musical numbers are great. The rest of it is completely forgettable. It has these musical numbers that break out in the middle of nowhere and they're done really beautifully, kind of in a Dennis Potter sort of way, where it's like it's this dull, humdrum life with these beautiful musical numbers, but there's not enough of them. And I can't say there's anything about the movie I would say go out of your way to see this amazing film because it's not. If if you happen to catch it, I mean, it's worth seeing for those scenes, but the rest of it drags. And it's a pretty short movie as it is. It's very short. Yeah, I think this is a good indication of a filmmaker who possibly has better work coming towards him. Absolutely. Absolutely. But for now, it's no, no snoozer. Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and talk about what's hitting DVD this week. Then. DVDs. Wait. Sorry. Are we going to talk about the theater movies? I, uh, I'm sorry. Did you? Oh, that's right. You saw one, didn't yeah, you? Yeah. Sorry. You saw a due date, and I saw Fair Game. So. That's right. Oh, sorry. So, My bad. So I didn't even? see anything. Uh. Due date. Okay. Uh. Yeah. This is a pretty bad movie. Oh no. Uh, that's what oh. I've been hearing. But I did, I did, I definitely did laugh. It's just this problem is with this movie. Like when you compare it to The Hangover, The Hangover is the setup is funny, all the rising action is funny, and the payoff is funny. In this, the only thing that's really funny is Zach Galifianakis's ad libbing. There's no real connective tissue in the comedy. Mm. And I'll, what I'll do is I'll tell you the funniest line in the movie so you don't have to see it. Okay. <laughs> Two and a Half Men is the reason I wanted to become an actor. The second season especially. There. <laughs> Man. That's special. That's, That's such special. a disappointment. And it makes sense that the film would only be screened once for critics in Colorado. So I guess that, I guess they kind of knew what they had. That's a shame. That's a real shame. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I was looking forward to that. It seemed like it couldn't miss. It was like one of these, but so did Showtime. It's like, you know, Eddie Murphy and Robert De Niro, how could that go wrong? You know, And then, and then you find out this is how. And you go, oh, okay. That's what's interesting, actually, what's interesting about it is that it kind of tries to have, like, really mean-spirited humor, kind of like a Jody Hill thing, but yeah. it, do, it never quite fully goes for it. So it's just kind of, like, awkward, and you kind of really end up disliking a lot of the characters, but not enough that it's, like, compelling, so... Hmm. Eh. It's but again, I did laugh. I did laugh. So how's Jamie Fox? He's in it for like five minutes. Like I have no idea why he was even in the movie. Like they could have, they should have just gotten like Craig Robinson. All right then. Robert Downey Jr. is like, hey, my it's my soloist buddy. Come on, let's do a little movie together. Let's do a scene. <laughs> All right, why don't you talk about Fair Game? Oh, Fair Game. Uh, Fair Game is very good. I really liked it. Um, there is this very specific audience this movie is for, and that audience is Democrats. If you're a Democrat, you're going to love this movie. If you still have hatred for George W. Bush resounding in your belly, you're going to love this movie. If uh, if you know CNN just isn't enough for you, you're going to love this movie. I say that to be honest and also a little bit snarky because that that's the kind of film this is. I mean, it, it's really kind of rehashing a lot of a lot of films that are, this, this subject matter has been covered before um, but not specifically the story this is the Valerie, Valerie Plame story about how this seemingly you know successful soccer mom beautiful woman was actually this spy for the CIA um, and this isn't an action movie even though it's from the director of The Born Identity and Mr. and Mrs. Smith and Jumper um, Doug LeMann uh, basically he makes the film very exciting which I think really helps it's a really adrenalized fast paced movie despite the fact that it's very dialogue oriented um, Sean Penn is first rate in this movie but considering his character is an angry politically active guy 
it feels like he's playing himself. In fact, there are a number of scenes in the movie where you get the sense that he's not even acting. He's just like, okay, just say something that you hate about George W. Bush, and the camera just is on him for a while. Does um, he ever punch a cameraman? No, but but there was a moment where I thought he actually was going to. And uh, Naomi Watts is just top-notch in this movie. She's excellent, and it's really cool to see her acting with Penn again after 21 Grams, and they're very good together. Um, it's a really good movie, really good film. Um it's just it's not what people are expecting unfortunately and that you know all over the trailers they put like from the director of the born identity that that's really gonna you know disappoint people but i i really like the film i think it's very good it's worth seeing um if either of the leads get any kind of award consideration i wouldn't be surprised because they're both in great shape so you know i hate to do this yeah i'm gonna make you end this segment on a down note okay because I would love for you to discuss another movie you saw recently. One that you recorded a review for for Wild 105.5 this past week. Okay. Um, I uh, Well, a year ago, my editor, Jacob, awesome guy, he uh, called me and said that Fair Game, even though I uh, sent him my review at least a week or so earlier, it turns out Fair Game is not going to open on Maui as planned. Um, no theater on Maui wanted Fair Game. So lo and behold, I had to go and see another film to fill in the slot. Um, and like last year, this same freaking thing happened. And sure enough, it's like, well, there's always Saw. So last year, I you know saw 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 Six, man. And this year, I got to see Saw 3D. <laughs> and this is Monday night. Movie has already been hailed as the number one movie in America. I'm in line for the film at the Hollywood Theater. It's about 10:30 at night. There's people in front of me getting tickets for Secretariat and Wall Street too. And 10 o'clock showing of Saw 3D on a Monday night. It opened on Friday. Nobody in there. I'm the only one in the whole theater. Nope. Number one movie in America. Nobody's there. Um, <laughs> There's not a reason for that at all. No. I think I think word of mouth kicked in. And the 3D was worthless. Completely. I mean, the 3D in Wes Craven's My Soul to Take was so much better. So much better. Um, the Saw 3D, 3D aspect of it was worthless. It's obviously not the final chapter. It ends with like at least three more story threads being set up. Um, the cast, you know, it's like a who's who cast of all these people that you used to like love before and they're really slumming it. I mean, Carrie always, my gosh. I mean, this, this is a really good actor. Why? You know, he has the lead in this film. Sean Patrick Flannery's in this movie and it's not his best performance by far. And then, you know, Tobin Bell, who's like, you know, the mascot of this series, like showing <laughs> up, just make it put in, even though he died four previous movies and yet somehow they find a flashback for him in this film and. Betsy Russell, who was in a lot of teen sex comedies in the 80s, and now she is Mrs. Saw. She's Mrs. Jigsaw in the movie, and of course she gets her comeuppance and Costas Mandalore. Anyway, um, yeah, this is... Is it worse than Six? Uh, hard to say, because it makes a lot of the same mistakes as Six. It feels like the same movie to me. In fact, it you know I think I told you this where... For me, Six lost me because in the opening scene, it's a woman sawing off her arm. Then it cuts to the opening credits, and then it cuts to the woman in the hospital. And they're like, what happened to you? And they have a close-up of the arm, and they flash back to a sequence that just happened five minutes okay, ago. Okay, so they do it again? They do the same thing. where Because the, 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 the thing in Saw 7, Saw 3D, is that there is a self-help guru who has basically like group meetings for people who are victims of Jigsaw. I'm not making this crap up. And they're all sitting in a circle, and she's like, my name is Trisha, and I lost my arm cut to her sawing off her arm in Saw 6. Like, come on! It's so stupid. Like, talk about screenwriters that have no respect for their audience. Complete contempt. They think their audiences are total, complete morons. And who plays the self-help guru? Uh, Sean Patrick Flannery. Sean Patrick Flannery plays the guru. And, and eventually, his angle in the story, like, all of his friends have been kidnapped and set up to these traps, so he has to, like, 
you know, go through this experience of saving all the people. And like I said in our Wild 105 review, like the whole idea behind this movie is so ridiculous. Like who the heck would want to be Jigsaw's apprentice? This, this, who would want to work for this idiot? You know, you got to build these huge traps that you seriously need like, you need like an MIT degree to like understand how these effing things work, you know. You're setting these stupid things up and then once you get the people in the traps and the traps are done, then you got to clean the traps up with all these guts and stuff all for the sake of your soul will be cleansed you know all this all this bull crap you know like who would who would want to work for this guy and then, you know you know he doesn't have a dental plan or anything you know like you're only doing it just so like one day you'll be infamous so anyway ridiculous film just as bad as the rest this series it, as much as i'd love to see this series die it's not going anywhere i mean there there's going to be saw 10 no question uh, we will live to see saw 10 and saw 10 will be coming out what 2012 so yeah you know right on time <laughs> Let's hope the end of the world happens before we get to see Saw 10. Yes, because actually that'd be 2013. Uh, so, yeah. Lucky then. 13. Yeah, 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 there you go. I'm sure they're already working on the poster for those. All right, let's go ahead and move on to what's hitting DVD this week so that we can actually move up a little bit. What are you waving at us, Ethan? Sir, I'm just looking at my carton of cigarettes. It came with this thing saying, you can quit smoking. And I'm like, <laughs> what? It's on what? the carton of cigarettes? Yeah, it came with my carton of cigarettes. It says, tobacco <laughs> products are highly addictive. Most people don't manage to stay off tobacco the first time they try to quit smoking. You may have to try several times before you succeed. That is true. Before each time you try, you can learn more about how to succeed. Don't give up if you slip and have a smoke. Write down why and how you started to smoke again. Consider talking to a healthcare professional about cessation therapy options. Why, why are they putting this in my carton of cigarettes? That's great. It's such a mixed message. You know, that'd be like getting a Playboy and on the back it's like, sexual addiction is bad. You know, like, give me a break. That's awful. So they're making you feel guilty while you're like, oh, enjoying a nice moment with my camel. Well, what's the brand? Can I ask? Is, is it a Canadian brand or? Uh, Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson. That's, act- that's actually a name of a brand. Yeah, here. That's definitely wow. Canadian. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Peter Jackson cigarettes. Interesting. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to DVDs then. Man, well, the Lovely Bones made me want to smoke. Oh, this week oh. on DVD. Oh. Uh, the cult Dang. movie sensation that will become a cult movie sensation finally on DVD. Uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Man, this film deserved to do so much better than it did in theaters. Good yeah, film. Yeah, it did. Uh, Sherlock season one. Dave's a big Woo-hoo. fan. You can actually stream... Both episodes on PBS.com is like the end of December. And the third episode airs tonight. So, yeah. Very good. Uh, Dave has a bone to pick with this one. Doctor Who, season five. <sighs> it's not that I hate the show. I really enjoy the show. It's like 13 episodes, right? Right. So how much would you expect to pay for a 13-episode DVD? Oh, I don't know, Dave. $25, $28? Not 53 you say? <laughs> <laughs> for the whole box set, yes. <laughs> for, for season five of Doctor Who, no. Not, not even on Blu-ray. That's the Blu-ray is $60. That's, that's outrageous. $10 less than, than freaking Twilight Zone season two will be on Blu-ray. Does it come with anything special? Like a there's tons of special. Like, does features. it come like in a little TARDIS or something? No, or, it's just no? tons of special features. But it's 13 episodes for sixty dollars. Yeah, that's a that's a jip off right there. Okay. Um, well, the acting stretch of so far of Zac Efron's career, Charlie St. Cloud. You remember that one? I play with dead people. There you go. Uh, Superman Shazam: The Return of Black Adam. That that to me sounds like a Shaquille O'Neal film. That that is <laughs> no, me very, not Kazam. That has me very nervous because you know, like Shaquille O'Neal essentially played an incarnation of Superman. If he, you want to oh, consider don't that, even steal. so hey, freaking steal. Come on, you know. So it sounds like a Shaquille O'Neal movie to me. It's not, but it's pretty fun. Uh, it's a short film. It's about thirty minutes, and it's got extended versions of all the uh, vignettes that they've done on the previous releases. For, so the 
Jonah Hex short, the Green Arrow short, all those have extended versions in the Spectre short. So it's goofy, but it's a fun kind of goofy. Okay. So yeah, it's fun. Okay, for all of our members of Mensa, um, Adam Sandler's Grown Ups, which is, uh, I understand, the most thought-provoking film of the year, uh, bar none, next to uh, Inception. Uh, and Ars- Old Dogs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Arsenic that and Old Lace. That came out last year, though. It did. It did. Yeah. Arsenic and Old Lace. Isn't this with <laughs> Cary Grant? Yes, it is. I've seen it on stage, and I've read the play, like literally read the script for the play, but I've actually never seen the film. Oh, is I need to let you borrow it, sir. It's, you would love uh, it. I'm, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of it. No. no? Yeah. Who plays like like in the in when it was on stage, the bad guy was played by Boris Karloff, and they even like referenced that in in the like in the script. Who plays the the villain in the in the piece? I remember. Okay, is it somebody famous? Peter P- Peter Lorre. Peter Lorre. Okay, that yeah, makes sense. Be. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Tremors. Twenty years old this year. God bless Tremors. I love this movie. That's Fred Ward and Kevin Bacon in it's, the Ron Underwood film Blu-ray. It's not twenty bucks good, but it's good. I would pay twenty dollars for that. For, for to get that on Blu-ray, okay. Yes. Well, you oh, will have the opportunity, to fi- sir. Fifty dollars for just a little more than a dozen episodes. Um, wow, Ethan and I are splitting this, but man, this film always brings up the best conversations and debates, which is Lars von Trier's Antichrist, Charlotte Gainsbourg, and uh, Willem Dafoe, and a lot of woodland creatures. And a talking fox. And a talking fox. That's one soundbite we should have on this show. Um, a talking fox. A talking fox. And then, uh, let's see, crap title of the week. Man, you picked a good one, Dave. Because <laughs> I like this show, but this sounds ridiculous. The Golden Girls 25th Anniversary Collection. Man, 25 years. The complete show. It gets better than that, though. It the, All the episodes come in like an old lady handbag case. <laughs> Way to like cater to the geriatric crowd. How shameless! It's. I should pull up a picture of it. I'm gonna pull up a picture. Why don't you just right like, have like a pack of like prunes and like some shuffleboard tickets and I don't, a yeah, bingo I, board? That's ridiculous. I don't get it, but it's freaking. Because this show had widespread appeal. Like I used to watch this as a kid, and I loved this show. You know. Yeah, yeah. I. It's don't, not like on Golden Pond, the series, for Pete's sake. Yeah, I, I don't know why they do this, but uh, hang on, I, I've almost got it here. Because you need to see this. I saw this and I, I couldn't believe it. This oh my is, gosh. I'm, I, you thought that. I was kidding. You thought yeah, I, I was really kidding. Did. It's an wow, old lady handbag. Wow, it really is. Yes, and Does Jules have... had to walk around and see it too. <laughs> Man. Yeah, and I need to send this to Ethan just so he can see it as well, just to, to revel in the glory. I can't believe that. That is, that is just freaking shameless. Yes, yes it is. So. <laughs> I mean, that's worse than the Showgirls set. It's like a set. gold purse. Yes. How much is that set? It is $120. Wow. I don't think your wow. average... I don't know. Would people even pay for that? I mean, was your average geriatric living in an old folks' home want to pay for that? I mean, I don't look know. what I got in my handbag. It's the Golden Girls, seasons <laughs> one through twelve. <laughs> I'm gonna watch it with my grandson. He'll love it. He loves that Avatar. He'll love Golden Girls. <laughs> Matlock, take it out of my handbag, Brian. Let's watch it. <laughs> it's just shameless. I'm sorry. That that pisses me off. That's yeah. like let's appeal to like you know. That's just stupid. <laughs> Did you see it, Ethan? I'm trying to open the thing, but it's like, what's going on? Just open the clasp, and then you lift <laughs> up the lid. You know what? I'll Google it. Okay. Yeah, you do that. Okay. Uh, shall we move on to news, and then we'll yes, know when Ethan yes. sees it, and he'll be like, what All the? Right. 
Should I move on with the, should I do the first bit of what yeah, the yeah, news? Yeah, 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 go Because we've got the trailer for Big Mama's Like Father, Like Son. Did, did either of you watch this? I watched this, yeah, because I, I was kind of curious how bad it was, and man, it really surpassed my expectations. It really did. It, it, it kind of is the gift that keeps on giving if you're looking for a really, 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 really bad movie. You know, this reminds me of what I was talking about the last episode about, remember that movie Ladybugs, where, where <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield coerces his girlfriend's son into dressing up like a girl so that his soccer team can win the championship? This is the same thing martin lawrence is getting his what his son yeah to dress up and drag with him to solve a case i mean it's the same effing plot no but his terrible. son his son witnessed the murder so he's doing oh, it for his protection right. <laughs> that's right and there's all these hijinks between the two of them like old oh, yeah. jokes like jokes that even medea wouldn't do like, oh yeah really like, like martin jokes. lawrence in the fat suit doing nude modeling oh yeah, yeah. bad bad yeah, it looks just i mean the second one was like, the thing is i'll defend the first one because paul giamatti is very funny in it and the, and the first one i think is actually a bit of a sleeper it's not bad it really isn't bad for what it is but the sequel the sequel like it came out the same year as Miss Congeniality 2 Armed and Fabulous and I still don't know which is a worse movie I've been that's one of the things I've always been torn about that's special but this sequel looks like it's 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 got to be the worst of 2011 it has to be there can't be anything worse no I can't think of anything else yeah no 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 all right uh uh, do you want to just go through all of mine yeah yeah go ahead uh apparently the cat you know I don't want to see another Spider-Man reboot but dang if they're not casting this thing well uh, the current rumor is that we might be getting Martin Sheen and Sally Field playing Uncle Ben and Aunt May. That's great casting. I between them, Andrew Garfield, uh, Emma Stone. It, this is looking really R- flipping Rice, solid. R- Rice Iphens is in it too, playing the bad guy. That's right. Yeah, and he's yes. a wonderful actor. That's yeah. That, yeah, as the lizard. Yeah, I just if the script is good, they've really got something. If the script is bad, it's Spider Man Three. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. there it is. Yes. And have I got anything else? Um, I have got. The Captain America picks that came up out from uh, Entertainment Weekly didn't see a whole lot, but it doesn't look as horrific as I expected. Chris Evans is freaking buff. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there. I mean, like, you know, he's done most of his movies shirtless or whatever, but even for this movie, like, wow. I mean, that guy, like, he hit the gym. Yes. I hope his acting is good, too, but, you know, he looks the part. <laughs> yes, indeed, indeed. So. Uh, and then finally, this is a bit of deal news. I haven't had any deal news for a while. This is really good. This happens about twice a year. But through the 21st of November, you can go to Barnes & Noble and pick up any of their Criterions for 50% off. So all their $40 Blu-rays are now 20 bucks. Uh, there's actually a way for you to do a free two-month trial uh, to their membership, which takes an extra 10% off. The only downside is you have to pay, buy something online to do it. But you can buy a $10 gift card, and if you're already buying a Blu-ray, in conjunction with that, there's also a $5 coupon, so you can actually end up getting the Blu-rays for 13 bucks a piece. Hmm. So... That's yeah. If you're looking to stock up on some Criterion's, now is the time to do it. Excellent. I'm debating getting House. I I've got it on the way from Netflix. So I need to see it. You still. mean Houseu? Houseu. Houseu. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I have a question for you and Ethan. What do you think is going to be better next year? Let's just guess, because I'm just curious. Oh, no. Green Lantern or Captain America? I'm curious. <sighs> what do you think? From what you've seen so far, Captain America. Captain America. I'd say GL. Green Lantern? Yeah. 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 I I just, I like the look of Captain America. And honestly, a Green Lantern, I'm still upset they didn't go with the Jack Black version. So. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Freaking Jack Black. I still, you know, with Green Hornet, I wanted to see the Kevin Smith version, but I'm still. Where he hides behind a rock? Yes. Where where, where he and Kate are talking next to the the Black Beauty, and then, oh, look, there's bad guys. Let's go fight them. You hear fighting, and they come back and say, so, about that local sports team. Yeah. That's the version you wanted to see? I think Smith could have made a better film than that. <laughs> call me crazy. That was his words. I know, but he was joking. I he know, had a good I script. I've I seen know, the script. I it know, was good. I know, I know. What do you think between those two? 
Um, I'm going to go with Green Lantern because I like Ryan Reynolds. Um, Mark I think, Strong. I think the cast looks interesting. It, it just it looks interesting. and um, I, I think this question really does just come down to who has the better abs, Chris Evans or Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, I think Reynolds has to take it because uh, Reynolds almost seems like he was freaking born with him. You know, like I swear, like the dude ever since, you know, he had his Van Wilder years. Then he did Blade Trinity. And man, that guy could like take any kid on the playground, you know. <laughs> but Chris Evans, I think like he had to kind of build towards that. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think the abs have it, and I think it's clearly Green Lantern. So. I know, the pecs. We, I think we have to discuss the pecs now. <laughs> Lord it's become a completely different show. But, yes, let's discuss the, the pecs. No, no. no that, that's going to be my sign right there. We need to move on. Dave's, Dave's laying it down. He's like, no, no. Okay, that's all I got. Um, Ethan, why don't you go next? Let's sir? talk about last night's Glee. Let's do that. I haven't watched this week's Glee. I'm kidding. I'm just trying to oh, like, okay. I'm trying to like bring the element of macho. Did you watch the, the, the Rocky Horror episode of Glee? Uh, Julia did. I was so not happy with that episode. And so really, else. you were unhappy with an episode of Glee. How oh, dare I have you? Been, but be, because they changed the lyrics, I understand you need to do it for censorship reason, but you don't change lyrics. Making Mercedes Frankenfurter was the dumbest freaking idea on the planet. I was not thrilled. What and lyrics you know what? do they change? It, it, um, for tra- Sweet Transvestite? Yeah. They changed it's kind of a silly thing to be upset about. But it, the whole <laughs> thing that sells that entire role is is Tim Curry in drag just rocking that song. And it didn't happen in the episode. What's, what lyric do they change? Uh, instead of saying Sweet Transvestite from Transsexual Transylvania, it's yeah. Sensational Transylvania. What's wrong with Transsexual? I don't know. You can have you, you can sing Touch Me you know, and all that stuff, but no, yeah. we can't say Transsexual. That's bizarre. I liked that song. Oh, I hate. And I'm sorry, Corey Menmouth is no Barry Bostwick. Well, I gotta agree with you there. Yeah, yeah. So I, it wasn't complete crap. I mean, like I was really when they were suggesting that John Stamos was gonna become Doctor Frankenfurter. Yeah, I was. That was gonna make me so very happy because that would have been freaking hilarious. But well, the guy's done Broadway, so we know he can do that kind of role. But yeah, I, the show's losing me. Honestly, it it, it really is. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Shoe needs to die. He's no! such a little girl. He's worse than the high schoolers. <sighs> you and Julia should have your own I'm little show where you it. whine I'm still about watching this. It. I'm still watching it. But. Oh, Mr. Shoe loves Miss Pillsbury, and he's just... Why? Trying... Because she's cute. Can you believe this, Ethan? This is crap we're listening to. I, I am glad I stopped watching the show, to be honest. We will do a Glee episode. Okay. That's where we can have the debate. After the season's s- over... I foresee a sickness for me that weekend. <laughs> I see a cold coming on. I don't know, you might have fun just like sit back and watch the fight, you know, uh, or that. Man. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll, okay, what have you got for news, Ethan? The only thing I have, and this is based off a Twitter update from <laughs> okay. Tom Green, but he said that apparently he's in Hollywood meeting with some big time producers for a new movie. Will it be a sequel to Freddy Got Fingered? That's really the the, the question on everyone's mind. I think. Or stealing so. Harvard too, Electric Boogaloo. I I want to give the guy another shot. I want to see him. I really want to see this. For me, this has the potential to be like like what Jackass 3D was for for you guys. <laughs> I really want to see him like have a chance to do something that is just no holds barred, outrageous, and you know completely surrealistic, and you know just kind of falls into one category itself, like all everything else that he has ever done. So no, I I would like to see that. I really would. Because I liked him. Like I remember a lot of people like, oh, he's like another Polly Shore. No, he he was brilliant. Polly Shore was not brilliant. No, no. And no. Uh, you know Tom Green, like again, like he was 
He is so unique, and he obviously has a lot of talent. He's very savvy. I'd like to see him get another shot. I don't know if he's exactly a leading man, but, I mean, maybe in something that's crazy enough to, to kind of compliment his... You know, it's like Paul Rubens, you know, in character roles and as Pee Wee Herman, he's great. But like, you know, you never see a movie just Paul Rubens as Bob. That told you, I totally forgot. We watched uh, Buffy for Halloween and that was fun. Oh. The best death scene that has possibly ever been committed. It's one of the better things about that movie. Yeah. I don't think it's held up very well, but. uh, I still think it was way fun. This scene's great and it's fun seeing uh, Ben Affleck and Hilary Swank and. Oh my and gosh, David Hillary Arquette. Swank. Every time she pops up on screen, you're like, that's really... Why is she... Oh. Yeah, and her character's obnoxious. When her character gets eaten by vampires, I was so happy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Sorry. Okay, so Tom Green. Another movie, apparently. Tom yes. Green. All right, what have you got, Barry? Uh, the first few pictures of The Adventures of Tintin have been released. This, of course, is the film years in the making, uh, directed by uh, Peter Jackson and Steven Spielberg, based on Tintin. And you know what? It looks like another Polar Express to me. Because I got to say, like when, you know, about... It was almost 10 years ago now when uh, Robert Zemeckis first revealed the first few pictures of Polar Express with like Tom Hanks as the conductor. I got to say, I was really like, wow, that looks incredible. But mm-hmm. there have been so many films like this and Tintin just, it doesn't look like, I don't know, it doesn't look it doesn't look special, at least from no. the pictures released. No, not so, really. I no. mean, I think the trailer will obviously be some kind of indication and, you know, the quality of the action and the story, but... Yeah, just the early pictures has not like, you know, they've been working on this thing for years. So I was kind of hoping for like, you know, react to it the way I reacted to the to the Tron teaser years ago. Yeah, but, yeah, totally. But, yeah, totally. Not, not the same effect. Yeah, I I, I know nothing about Tintin and I'm just kind of like, yeah. Yeah. But it's Spielberg, so you would say that anyway. Not but does the Jackson thing kind of like balance it out Honestly, for Honestly, I take it purely from... How do the screenshots look? I know nothing about the story. I just, uh, I'm not biased against it, but it hasn't done anything, you know, to wow me at all. So, granted, these are just screenshots. Once, you know, once we get a, a trailer and stuff, then we, I can make a little more informed decision. Yeah, yeah, and probably by Christmas, we'll probably see something. Uh, Steve Pink, the, the director of Hot Tub Time Machine, is now taking on Toxie in the remake of Lloyd Kaufman's The Toxic Avenger. Uh, the rumor at, the, at this point is that the remake will be PG 13 and quote unquote kid friendly. Which is not what the original film no. is at all. Not even close. So I really want to. I hope we get to talk to, to Lloyd when he comes back out, because I want to ask him just about that. Oh yeah, I'm sure he doesn't care that anyone's remaking the movie, but to remake it as a PG-13 movie, I. Then again, I'm sure anytime piles of money get thrown at trauma, I'm true. sure Uncle Lloyd is very, very happy. So. This is true, but it's just like really. We already had Toxic Crusaders. I mean. Yeah, I just to me this 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 character's never worked as kid friendly. I've always loved him as this live action embodiment of South Park. You know, oh and my that's, gosh, that's yeah. Lloyd Kaufman's version of the character. And I like his version. Oh yeah, the, so. the movie, I think it was four. I saw with the Midvale School for the Gifted. Oh, that it was so wrong, but I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> Yeah, Citizen Toxie. That's what you said. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Dave, get your button ready. We got a new film out uh, from the from the actor who's currently starring in Hereafter. His name would be Matt Damon. Man, you are right on it. <laughs> oh, I had my. I, I was hovering over the. You're button totally ready for it. Anyway, like I said, it's the, just the star of Hereafter. His name is Matt Damon, and he's co-starring with Scarlett Johansson. It's in Cameron Crowe. Speaking of Cameron Crowe, his new film called We Bought a Zoo. If you can imagine that, that's literally the story about two people <laughs> who buy a zoo and an upgrade. Of course, it, you know, it might be good. It stars Scarlett Johansson and Matt. Damon. Sorry, I was a little bit slow on the draw on that one. My bad. <laughs> Got to keep up with me, Dave. I know. I know. All right. Uh, let's That's see. Like, like when Josh did the mirrors review and I had to try to keep up with the bleep button. Yeah. That was a good one. Um, let's see. The, uh, the, a poster has been revealed of Jodie Foster's beaver. 
Um, and I gotta say, I think her beaver looks great. Uh-huh. I was really impressed with what I saw. All right, um, have you guys seen this poster? I, oh, I actually, I by accident had the ending of the movie spoiled for me on oh, Jeffrey Wells' blog. Oh no! How? I'll just say it's it's pretty dark. It's a pretty interesting and dark ending. I'll just say. How did someone spoil it for you? Like it hasn't been screened or nothing? Apparently, it... no. Apparently, well, the the screenplay is actually out there uh, on okay. the internet. And apparently he had a screen for some people, and it was my mistake because it was like he said spoilers. I was like, maybe it'll just be like kind of alluding to it, but right. no, he full out spoiled what happened. It's a pretty dark and interesting ending, I'll say. Wow. Like Death to Smoochie kind of dark, or I will say it kind of reminds me of what supposedly is the climax of a certain Oscar bait film. <laughs> All right, well, I don't want to know. Thank you for not spoiling it, man. Gosh, I'm sorry. That sucks when that happens. So I had I had the ending of the village spoiled for me literally like hours before I saw the film. Frickin' Peter Travers at Rolling Stone just totally gave it away. I'm like, no, no. Yeah, yeah, bummer. Anyway, I, I like the post. Did you guys see the poster? No. I think it looks terrific. It's it's the beaver is in the foreground and in the background it's Mel Gibson in the background. It's like, and the beaver is holding up this little note that says, um, "Speak to this man only through his beaver puppet." Um, yeah, it's really funny. It looks. I, I think it's a great idea to, to sell the movie. But apparently, on the um, on the article in question, it was noting that there's a rumor that that poster didn't test very well, so they might have to do something else. But I think it's a great poster. All right, um, the new film from Adam Sandler. In fact, the trailer hideously advertises uh, from the producers of Grown Ups. Um, the new film from Adam. <laughs> yeah, it's not like a rave right there. Um, it's called Just Go With It. It stars Adam Sandler, Jennifer Aniston, Jennifer Aniston, and an actress, you know, even though she's third build, they don't show her at all in the trailer, and that's Nicole Kidman, interestingly enough. Hmm. This is a movie that they shot extensively on Maui last summer. That's one of the reasons I'm so interested in it. But, uh, yeah, it, it opens around Valentine's Day. It looks really bad, really bad. All right, then. So, And then we also have the full-length trailer now for Zack Snyder's Sucker Punch. I didn't get a chance to see it. Did you see it even? I, I saw it in front of Due Day yesterday. Yeah. And? Uh, it kind of looks stupid, to be honest. Yeah. I totally agree. And doesn't it look like – I feel like I've seen the movie. Like the movie – like the trailer is very fast. There's a tons of slow-mo, lots of loud music and screaming. Like I bet that's the movie. We just saw like a two-minute version of that. I don't know. It just looks like something that would be like satirized in Natural Born Killers or a yes. Jodorowsky movie or something. Yep. Yep. Right, but of course, sixteen-year-olds don't know any of that, so they're gonna go see it. And be like, wow, it's breathtaking! How I is love the slow mo? Visionary. Vision, that's right, the visionary director of Three Hundred. I love slow mo. How is Bitch Slap? Have you guys seen that movie? It's on Netflix because it was like highly, highly hyped, and then it just completely went away. And it, I was just curious if it's like similar to, to Sucker Punch or I don't know. It's in, it, it's you can it's on streaming. Okay. So I, I might take a spin on it, but I, I'm kind of getting that movie out point. So yeah, yeah, I hear you. yeah. yeah. Uh, finally, last story. Sorry, a lot of news this week. Um, Roman Polanski's The Ghostwriter has been nominated for seven film awards, um, seven excuse me, seven European film awards, which is the European equivalent of the Academy Awards. And this is you know, be, except for Best Director, Best Picture, Best Actor, Ewan McGregor, as well as other awards. And this made me really happy. I really like The Ghostwriter, and, and if it has any shot at all for an Academy Award. I hope it gets it, and I certainly hope that Olivia Williams is up for Best Supporting Actress for her amazing or the, performance. The score. The score. Yes, the score is beautiful. Score. I agree. I agree. The score is beautiful. I like the cinema photography, too. I, I dig that movie. I really do. 
All right. So cool. That's it. Sweet. Well, then let's go ahead and take a quick break, and we will come back for uh, Berg and I talking about the first, the, inaug- the inaugural version of the Mile High Horror Festival, whilst Ethan makes obscene gestures of us and tries at us and tries to crack us up during it. So it should be fun and entertaining. We'll be right back. Sue Ellen Greenblatt is a real person, not an internet celebrity. So we've enlisted Billy Flynn and the vicar to help her tell her story. Geek Radio Daily gives me geeky news about movies, new DVD releases, even comics and gaming. Geek Radio Daily makes me feel special. Ah, yeah. Womanly. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the episodes are just 15 minutes, perfect for my commute, or for just geeking out while I'm at the office. Mm. All in one concise love package. Ooh, the package, baby. Uh Uh-huh. And the best part is that it's a daily cast, so I'm always in the loop. Sometimes I listen to it out of the bath, put on little outfits. Ah! It makes me want to invite all my friends over to show how refreshed I feel. Mm, a slumber party, baby. What? That's not what I said. Get out the chocolate mousse. Duct tape. Oh, get out of here, you freaks. Geek Radio Daily. One 15-minute podcast provides 15% of the USDA-recommended daily allowance of geeky goodness. Subscribe through iTunes or visit geekradiodaily.com. That's a major accomplishment for after 35 years of <laughs> being a failed filmmaker. Lloyd Kaufman gets to be on ScreenGeeks.com. And we're back to talk about the Mile High Horror Film Festival for 2010. This is the first time that Denver has ever done this. Um, I hope this is a tradition that they continue for years and eons and eons because they did a fantastic job. I think it's fair to say we were a little <clears throat> had some trepidation going into this, to be completely honest and open. Sure, because for Pete's sake... I've never heard of any of these films. And, uh, you know, there's the fear that we'd go see something that was, you know, shot by like 13-year-olds in their backyard with a camera with a lot of exploding ketchup packets. And, you know, I mean, that kind of thing is fun. But to drive all the way to Denver for just that. Or just all gore and no substance or something right, like that. Right, right. And we and the films that we saw were very mixed. Some of them were like top of the canon, like so good, like rush out and see it. And some of it were on the total opposite spectrum. But that said, the quality was so consistently good. The the uh, Just the production of what they did with the with the festival itself. The setup. The, the, the people running logos, the show, everything. yeah, Tim yeah. and Teresa, you guys are awesome, fantastic. They took great care of us and couldn't have been nicer. And yeah, this I is, hope they could keep doing this. Yes, uh, serious horror fans. I mean, we'll we'll talk about we'll dive into what the the content was, but you seriously need to see this. This is this is a lot of fun, and this was a, such a treat for Dave and I. Um, we ended up going to the second night of the event. It was a two night event. It was October uh, the twenty second, which was a Friday, and then Saturday, October twenty third. Dave and I went to the second block. <clears throat> Uh, let's see. The night so started. We saw ten movies. Actually, ten movies. eleven counting the capper. Oh, that's right. That's right. But yeah. okay. So the first film we saw was about eighteen minutes long. It was a short film from Switzerland called Dead Bones. It was a how should we describe it? A western with a cannibal twist. Yeah, it's 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 the the bounty hunter going after the bad guys and then cannibals get involved. Yes, um, not a very well done shootout at the end, I must say, and it's certainly yeah. as gory as you'd expect. Um, I didn't care for. It. I just didn't really connect with any of the characters. There were, no, there was no characters really to, to connect yes. with. Yeah. yeah, yeah, plenty of blood and guts, and yes, it did. And the ending was kind of fun. I did like the ending, um, but yeah, it just overall just didn't quite come together completely. Yeah. I'd say there's only one movie that I outright hated, which I know we'll get to shortly. But yes. Okay. Yeah. Are, are are you doing some research for your stuff? Oh, sorry, just looking through, looking at my yeah my notes. Okay. 
yeah, then afterwards was a short film, literally two minutes long, a film that was basically a parody of those... Um, of the Mormon commercials, pretty much. Yes, of the Book of Mormon ads. It was called The Necronomicon. It was basically two guys pitching The Necronomicon, and it was a pitch-perfect, brilliant trailer parody because I, for a second I thought it was a trailer for the Book of Mormon. I really thought they'd, oh, they're going to show ads in between the movies. No, it was this really brilliant parody. So Yes, freaking hilarious i should put it up i think i should, I should put it up in the facebook feed because it's on youtube oh yeah so, yeah, yeah yeah well yeah it's that good necronomicon necronomicon yeah wow okay you're making odd noises ethan whilst licking the camera the camera looks tasty don't, though yeah don't well, actually, give it away it's us we look tasty ah oh, that's not i'm really oh. let's not read too much into that next movie sir next movie Quit the third film they showed at the mile high horror fest was called swallowed it was a high school parody um, a high school spoof about a cheerleader who needs to lose weight, so she swallows a tapeworm, and all sorts of hijinks ensue. It's like a spoof on after-school specials with eating disorders. It felt very much like a really perfect 80s high school horror movie parody. The problem was is that it total lacked character development. It didn't really go anywhere at the end, but man, no. great-looking film. Yeah. And I yeah. thought some really funny ideas from great scenes, but I, I think there should have been more. Yeah. Um, one that Dave and I really did not like at all. Um, <laughs> oh, is this the one? And this was tough because it's a local Colorado filmmaker. Uh, sorry, man. And I felt bad because he was in attendance. He was there too. Yeah. It's like, oh, shoot, we can't like talk to him because what are we going to say? Like, hey, any what? other movies you got coming so, up? So why'd you make a short film that sucked so bad? Yeah. And I wouldn't even say that. It was very well, no. you know, it was well it made. It was well made, but. Yeah, it, we got to be fair. It was well made. It was well acted. But I mean, it was literally a woman killing herself for eight minutes. It was called Fini. Yeah. Because it's French. It was called Feeny, and I gotta say, like, uh, can, I, can I just run down of it? Can we, it's gonna take me thirty sure. seconds. Yeah, go ahead. Girl crying, lady crying in the shower, gets dried off, puts on some makeup, looks at a, a picture of her obviously dead husband and daughter, sits down in her robe in a chair, all made up, slits her wrists, passes out, comes to, and is like, hey, I, you could tell it's in her eyes. I don't want to end it all. There's the phone. I'm gonna make it. And the final scene, scene falls into frame, dead, fade to black. Feel good movie of the year, folks. And then like. So, I don't know. You could tell in the, in the room, like people were kind of like half clapping. Yeah, you got the. And then it's like clap. the filmmakers here were like, oh no. Yeah, it, no. it wasn't poorly made. It's just it had no point. It was incredibly nihilistic. If it had a point to make, it just it was not a point that needed to be made. <laughs> it was hey, go kill yourself, or or you're gonna regret go. it when it's too late. <laughs> anyway, Finny, Finny. Hope you read the Necronomicon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, moving on. Gosh. So, <laughs> Sorry, I hated that movie. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I didn't like it either. Um, not as much as you, obviously. Uh, following that, you had a film that, interesting idea, didn't totally go together, but it was a little too long. It was a so-so Bollywood zombie fusion. <sighs> Survivors. It was a, yeah, Survivors. It was a mixture of a Bollywood musical and a zombie film. The zombie part of it was good. The Bollywood stuff got way too long to get to it, and it just it didn't really <laughs> offer much. It didn't, but it, it was a noble effort. That's probably the way I'd look at it. It, it was a bit of a disappointment, but... I admire it more than anything else because it tried to do something new and interesting with the zombie genre. Okay. Well, from there, it's all nothing but stuff we, we definitely recommend. Oh, yes. um, one of Dave's favorites, a film, an animated film, stop motion animation, a great this original film. It's called White Room. Um, it's basically a twist on No Exit. It's a great black comedy. I don't even want to give it away because it's just it's so good. It I mean, plays like a like a Twilight Zone episode in some ways. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. It's it's really really wonderful. Little girls scared of the monsters in the closet. Dad says go kick their butts, and then she gets trapped in the room with all these people. And no one knows what's going on, and 
I can't ruin it because it's wrong. It's scary. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's got a sick sense of humor, but it's got a great sense of humor. And, and they're uh, rolling the across the floor back and forth to each other. Yeah, yeah really well good. done. Really well done. Yeah. Uh, from there, let's see. We saw a full length film. Was it? No, we didn't. No, 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 no. We, we, we've we've got something from from Ethan's native Canada first. That would have been the familiar. Oh yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. Like, yeah, no, the familiar felt like it was full length. It was only twenty two minutes long. Man, it was just right. I mean, this is one of my favorite films. It, it felt like a full length movie. It was so well developed. Yeah, the familiar, top notch vampire comedy. Um, everything, the acting, the effects, the the way it paid homage to other vampire movies. Just everything was just first rate. I love this yeah. movie. Essentially, the story is a guy wants to become a Renfield. I, it's called a familiar. But I call him a Renfield because that's what Renfield sure. was in the Dracula movie. Yeah. Um, he loves vampire movies. Is fascinated by vampires. Becomes a vampire familiar, and then it turns into a boring nine to five job. And I really don't want to ruin what happens. From yeah, that. yeah. And it's about what it's like to how suck how much it would suck to work for Dracula essentially. Yeah, and it's great. It's <laughs> it's really funny. It's definitely as gory as it needs to be. But but the the guy they cast as the vampire was excellent. Like really, oh, yeah. it was almost like Gary Busey. <laughs> really, yeah, really commanding, kind of scary actor. They really cast that well, and everything about it was so good. So. Yes, incredibly good. Yes. Now we move on to our first of two features. Yes, uh, the, fe- uh, the first feature that we saw was called True Nature, about what ninety minutes long. Yeah, um, very powerful, very intense, very stylish. Um, not perfect, but uh, I was really impressed with this. Oh film. yeah, it was, it was incredibly shot. The cinematography was gorgeous. Um, this was his first feature film, I think they said. Yes, that that's just nuts. Patrick Steele did an awesome job yeah, with it. Yeah, very impressive. Um, it's re- it, it's definitely more of a psychological thriller that turns into a supernatural thriller at the end. I think it's fair to say. Um, but the whole linchpin is uh, Marianne Porter, who, who she plays the girl who um, goes out on a jog, disappears, and comes back a year later and starts having odd dreams. And yes, and I will say from that description, I thought the movie was going to be about alien abduction, and it's not. No, uh, it's uh, and I and I gotta say, if I have any criticism for the film, is that it's very confusing and it's purposely confusing. Um, but I was very confused. I, I think it's the end credits started rolling, and I'm like, "What did we just see?" Well, I, I had a I had a feeling. I, this is one of those movies. Sometimes I'll try to figure out what's going on in the movie, and sometimes I won't. I tried to figure it out from the beginning. I got a lead on where it was going, yeah. and it made it that thread helped it make perfect sense for me. I did have Carolyn McCormick from uh, Law and Order in it. She was great as the mom. She was, yeah. It was just, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, very, very impressive. We're going to get an, an interview with those, with, with him I as well. I hope so, yeah, because that director did a fantastic job. And, oh, you know, yeah. I, I say it was confusing. I mean, the director in the Q&A clearly intended it to be, you know, kind of To jarring. not spell everything out for yeah, you. Yeah, to be psychological, so. Yes. All right, and then the last two. Um, I like this film a lot. It was it's very queasy. It's so twisted. Like it was yeah, like it's a kind of an uneasy mix of sadistic violence and dark comedy. A very unique take on the serial killer story called Love Me Tender, and it's about how this girl from a very young age becomes a serial killer. If the, if the boy does not love her back, she kills them, and it it starts when she's a little girl and it moves on to her high school years. Um, I love the fact that the guy looks a lot like Taylor Lautner. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> there that is was that. really funny. There is that. Yeah, really well done, really well made. Like, again, like, for me, like, the mixture of, of the comedy and the horror was a little uneven just because, like, it was so horrific at times. It was hard to find it funny, but uh, but really, really well done. Don't date girls in college. That was the message from that movie. Yeah, no question. And that's, yes. a, that's a good message, actually. <laughs> and then finally, uh, man, they sure saved the best for last. Uh, and if you've seen Dave's uh, Facebook page, you know all about this film already. A film called Rambach. This is a German zombie film. Um, it is an essential zombie film. It's I, only an hour long, but one thing that I loved yeah. about this festival was it really drove home the point that 
If you make a good movie, who cares how long it is? If you take 22 minutes to tell your full story, fine. If you take eight, it's fine. If you take an hour or an hour and a half, as long as you make your story thorough and fully fleshed out, who cares? And this movie is just an hour long, and boy, it, it's a packed hour. It had me spellbound for 64 minutes. It is seriously scary. It's powerful. It's intense. And parts of it are even poetic. Um, I think this is... I mean, I, and I don't say this lightly. I would compare it to Romero's Night of the Living Dead. I mean, it, it is that good. It's one of the best zombie movies ever made. I can't think of another zombie movie I'd like better. This is probably going to end up on my top ten. Sure. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. And deservedly so. People need to see this movie, and this is just a huge, huge accomplishment. Yeah, what I loved it, it, on a very surface level, I think you could compare it to, um, you know, make it, you know, make the rear window meets a 28 Days Later reference. Sure. But just in that, it's in a very, it's very claustrophobic. It takes place in one you know, pretty all but like two minutes of it take place in one apartment complex. It does have fast zombies, and I hate fast zombies. So the fact that I love this movie this much. Why do you hate fast zombies? Who cares if they're fast, they're slow, or they're like jogging? Because I've thought way, way too much about this subject. Because <laughs> this is ScreenGeeks.com, listeners. I must That's admit why. it. Because you have the Romero slow zombies, you have the Zack Snyder fast zombies. And I think if you're going to think out the story realistically, it's a combination of both. Well, don't we credit Danny Boyle, though? Wasn't he the first one to do this if the fast zombies? Or do you I not guess, consider those zombies? I really don't, because because All it's right. more of a, a, an infection. And that's disease. another debate. Are yes, they really zombies? Are they just angry people? I really people? don't care that much, but <laughs> I, I say Zack Snyder. But the fact is, you know, someone dies as decomposition kicks in, then they'd get slower and slower. Okay, so that's, well, all right. That that does make sense. You made yes, a good point. but I do think about it entirely too much. But I'm okay with that. Rigor mortis would slow them down. You're exactly, right. exactly. But what I really loved was what made this movie, yes, it's a zombie movie. Yes, it's bloody. Yes, it's violent. But the character development is what really made this movie good. So, yeah, I really dug that movie. I, oh, yeah, if, you, if it comes, I think we were the second audience in North America to see it or something. And if it comes near you, watch it. Yeah, it needs to get wide distri- distribution, and the movie does not need to be longer or shorter. It's just it's perfect for what it is, and it just gives you such a potent cinematic experience. I mean, what a what a shocker that was! Oh yeah, a German zombie movie. And it was freaking brilliant. It was yeah. amazing. Yeah. So again, so. huge shout out to Tim and Teresa putting this thing together. You guys did a first class job. We're gonna do everything we can to try to help promote this in the future, and we had a heck of a good time. Um, yeah, anything else you wanted to say at all about it? Or show no, I just yeah, thank you again. Thank you again to everybody who put this together for us and, and treated us totally like royalty. That was so sweet. But more than anything, they just put on such a great festival. Um, we'll definitely be coming back next year. So. Oh, heck yeah. Heck yeah. 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 So, all right, well, then, shall we move on and talk about what movies are coming out this weekend? Yes, movies coming out, uh, opening on Wednesday, actually, um, Wednesday, uh, November the 10th. Uh, this is the new film. Man, this movie looks so great. And then, like, I swear... Th- most people don't even know this thing is coming out. It opens on Wednesday. Morning Glory, a uh, romantic comedy starring Harrison Ford, Diane Keaton, Rachel McAdams. It's been called like they've, they're trying to do like another broadcast news. Apparently, it's not another broadcast news. Do you want to know how much I don't know about this movie? I saw an ad for Letterman that Harrison Ford was going to be on this week. I'm like, huh, what's he got coming up that's coming out? <laughs> That's not good. No, it's not. Yeah, it's a shame because it, it looks promising. It looks really charming and funny, um, but I swear nobody knows this thing's coming out. And, the, and I got to say, the early word has not been good. So yeah. let's hope for the best, but I don't know. Um, opening on Friday, man, I swear this thing came out of nowhere and has most people excited to see it. I'm excited to see it. Skyline. I can't believe it's already time for yeah. Skyline to come out. Yeah, I, you know, I hadn't heard anything about it until... I saw a huge poster for it, you know, one of the big building-sized posters yeah. at Comic-Con. And even then, everyone's like, 
what the heck's Skyline? Yeah. Is it another TV show or something? And mm-hmm. so I mean, they really haven't done the best job promoting this. But you don't think so? Because man, every time I go to now any, they are any now they are, but okay. there's been no buzz for it before you know, like a month ago. No one knew what this was. Well, apparently, they have not been screening it. It's like they're really keeping it close to the vest, which could go either way. Yeah, it could be good or bad. I think it looks really cool, and I love that it's a low, low, low budget sci-fi movie that looks like it costs like three hundred million dollars. So. Hoping for the best. Um, and also opening, I can't talk about it yet, uh, but I did see this. Tony Scott's Unstoppable, starring Denzel Washington and our new Captain Kirk, Chris Pine. Uh, Rosario Dawson is also in the film, too. Cool. It's a killer train movie. And then opening and limited release, I love this movie, and I can say that. Um, this movie is actually playing currently at the Denver Film Festival. It deserves a wide release. Uh, basically, the female Napoleon Dynamite, Tiny Furniture. This is from Lena Dunham, who wrote, directed, and stars in the film. Um, it is weird. It is disturbing. It is very personal and very unique. And I, I love this movie. I've, I know I've had a lot of disagreements with other critics saying they thought it was there's nobody to like and all this stuff. But no, I, I thought it was a really rich film. I love Tiny Furniture. I say she has a show on HBO coming out produced by Jed Apatow. So that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I yeah she does she deserves to have some kind of breakthrough. I, I was really impressed how much she put herself out there. This is a good film. Cool, right on, sweet. So, all right, well, what's coming out on DVD? DVD. Let's see. Um, well, <laughs> it's Christmas time, so it must be time for an upgrade on your Avatar DVD set. The Avatar three disc. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. What? No, I was I wasn't oh. saying. You said, oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. he's turning into Kool Aid Man. There oh yeah. <laughs> The Avatar three disc extended collectors more more on obtainium. Yes, what's funny is the commercial on TV is the three hour cut. I'm like, who's gonna think that's a good thing? Really? It wasn't three hours before. The Avatars. <laughs> if you heard that, cool. Otherwise, I'm leaving it alone. So this has the love scene we've heard so much about, right? The hente scene. That's what I's I'm good. calling it because it's tentacles. Jake Sully. I love you. Yeah, I, <laughs> on uh, ha- Halloween, we uh, I was like in this pizza place at like three in the morning with some friends. We ran into all these Australian girls dressed up as the uh, Navi. It was pretty interesting. So skinny, lanky girls dressed in blue. Yeah, huh. three in the morning at a pizza place. That's pretty surreal. <laughs> wow. You sure, you weren't at home just tripping out? Or? No. No. Okay. That's like something you expect to see at Starfest or something. But wow. Well, you know, when, yeah, when I was at Starfest, I saw a lot of the Navi walking around. And one guy, like I told you, I told you, I bumped into a guy in an elevator. We're in an ele- elevator. I'm going up to, like, the top floor. It's a long trip up. I'm standing next to this guy, like, oh, I got to say something. I'm like, hey, can you say something, Navi? And he's like, I'm like, oh, wow, what did you just say? He's like, it is nice to meet you. And the door goes open, and he puts his spear in the air, and he marches out of there. I'm like, I am terrified of these, of these Navi Pandoran freaky deeks. All right. What else is coming on DVD? Um, oh. <laughs> well, because because Avatar's coming out, what else is coming out? Well, The Last Airbender, um, last year's almost blockbuster. That's from right. I'm proud of making that joke. M. Night Shyamalan. Um, <laughs> yeah. If I, show me somebody who loved this movie. That's what I want to see. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Disney's A Christmas Carol. It's Dickens' A Christmas Carol. It's not Disney. Disney didn't write this story. Um, it stars Jim Carrey, and it was directed by Robert Zemeckis. But make no mistake, this is Robert Zemeckis' Christmas Carol with all sorts of action sequences that were not in the Dickens story. Yeah, waiting for the Disney ride. 
coming soon. Yep. Um, on the other hand, a, a Zemeckis film, I really, I like this film. I know people have really mixed feelings about it, but I really like this film. Uh, Zemeckis' 2004 first foray into all CGI motion capture suits. Uh, the Polar Express is coming out on a Blu-ray with 3D. I like that it's coming out on Blu-ray with <laughs> 3D. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think that's going to look very good. Just call me crazy. You're crazy. Okay. Sorry. Uh, let's see. Metropolis. The complete Metropolis. Oh. This could very well be the best film of the year. I can't wait to see it. I know you've seen it, Dave. Yes. And you were, yeah. Love it. Yeah. yeah. Freaking amazing. Awesome. So, okay. I can put this on my top 10 list, right? Of course. It okay. came out this year. It was okay. in theaters. Just making sure. What the Just heck? It's, sure. no, it's like, a different cut. It's a complete film. Exactly. I've okay. seen critics do that. Like, like uh, uh, what was it? Like Blade Runner, the director's cut. I saw that in a few top 10 lists a few couple decades back. Yeah, yeah. So, no, you can totally do it. Okay, good. Uh, let's see. Night of the Hunter, available on Ooh. Criterion. Creepy, creepy film. Great film. Uh, one of the masterpieces of Charlie Chaplin's career, although he has so many, it's hard to differentiate. But all the same, Modern Times... A criterion. A criterion. DVD Beaver has a view, has a, a review on it. DVD Fever. Beaver. It, you did say DVD Beaver. I thought I was just I hearing did. that. No, no, I said DVD Beaver. Okay. Um, they have uh, the review of it is absolutely glowing. They mm. said it looks amazing, and this is just the beginning. I, I guess Criterion got access to the entire Chaplin catalog. So once the Dick, Great Dictator comes out, I'm buying it for mm. sure. Yeah. So I'm still fixated on DVD Beaver. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Uh, what do we got? Just in case you're curious, it's a website that actually compares releases be- from different countries. Different releases in different countries. Is this the DVD Beaver, Ethan? Oh, oh! I never expected to see that from Barry. Sorry. <laughs> I couldn't help it. I was just curious. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, one of the greatest shows of all time, my all-time favorite TV show, The Twilight Zone Season 2 on Blu-ray. Oh, it's not Golden Girls? Sorry. Well, I've already got my handbag in the mail, so... All right, sweet. Any day, it's coming. Sweet. Get to have some fun with Blanche and the girls. There it is, yeah. Some quality I, you know, time. Still, I, I want to get this, but 70 bucks a season, I just can't quite... Yikes. That is a lot, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, Tales from the Dark Side, the complete series, is now, like, what, $100? Well, you can pick up the whole... The five seasons, the definitive versions of Twilight Zone for, like, 125 pretty easily on DVD. Okay. But if you want the Blu-ray with all the extras and all that stuff... Man, yeah, we got to wait for these prices to go down. That's they will, way they will. Too much. And, you know, it's, it is the season, so, of course, it's going to be jacked up. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the most acclaimed movies of the year, I thought it was just all right, and, of course, the movie itself is called The Kids Are All Right, and that's with uh, Annette Benning, Julian Moore, Mark Ruffalo... Um, Josh Hutcherson, you know, good film, good film, but I, I wasn't over the moon about it. I really wasn't. So, but uh, everybody else says Oscar. So, fair enough. You decide. Uh, <laughs> one of our favorite films that we saw at last year's Denver Film Festival. We have an interview with the cast and crew. Cast with the cast and crew up on our site. Uh, check out uh, Best Worst Movie. Uh, we've already talked about it so many times, but you need to see this movie. Yeah. Even if you haven't seen Troll Two, um, you, you will, will want to. You will want exactly. So, random as a double feature, but definitely just see Best Worst Movie. This is a terrific film. Yes, yes. So. And can I talk about the crap title of the week? This week. I'm going to wait to talk about the other one to see if it actually comes out because okay. it's been pushed back a couple times. All right, go ahead. But this week's because, you know, Blu-ray 3D is just all the rage. They're going to they're re-releasing all these movies that were in 3D in the theater. So, you know, they're of course, they're going to bring out the 3D Blu-ray of Open Season. Hmm. I don't yeah. seem to remember this movie being in 3D in the first place. Thus why it's the crap title of the week. <laughs> I liked Open Season. Have you seen it? I have, and it's fun, but yeah. it's not 3D? Yeah, and I mean, what are like Ashton Kutcher's antlers now going to point out at us? He's just what's the appeal? The little, uh, the little Scottish squirrels when they throw the acorns, we're going to like get them in our face. 
which sounds cool, but again, because they're converting it, you know, it's not going to be anywhere near no, as cool. No, no, no. Yeah. And I can't, I, I can't, just can't bring up this other one until I know for sure that it's coming out. The sequel, that one, or no, 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 the other crap okay. title of the week. Because the other crap title of the week that Dave is alluding to uh, that we have on our list, um, a sequel to a film that came out ten years ago. I'm amazed anybody even remembers it. Cats and Dogs: Revenge of Kitty Galore. This was in theaters five minutes ago. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And Jeff Goldblum is not back. Jeff Goldblum isn't back. Tobey Maguire's not back. Elizabeth Perkins isn't back. How is this even a sequel? Kind new like cats, baby, new like dogs. Baby geniuses. Uh, there you baby go. Geniuses too. I think it's like um, Kieslowski's uh, Colors trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be just like that with cats and dogs that are talking. And yeah. Wow. Wackiness. Right then. Yeah. I don't even know where to go with that. Wow. Is it Kieslowski <laughs> or Kieslowski? I've never been able to say it right. I've I've never heard anyone say it out loud, so okay. I'm just guessing. Okay. And what's his what's his first name? Can you do you know it or Chris Chris Christoph? Chris? Is it? I thought okay. it was I thought it was just Christoph. I I appreciate uh, you bringing this up, Ethan, because honestly, one of the reasons I've never spoken about those three brilliant movies is because I've always been afraid I would jack up his name, because he, he's got a lot of letters in his name, first and last, and I've always been afraid to. It's like. You know, uh, it's so it's like a pitch a tongue we are asked their call or whatever, you know. At least at least you get to just call him Joe. It's like yeah. Why didn't Kieslowski ever have a abbreviation or something? There you go. There you go. Yes, the McG for his name. Yeah. Yes, we do have a single email this week. All right, mail. So, um, th- this is a, a listener catching up from over at Silent Gnome Productions. I'm going to be working with them on a couple shows. I get to play a fake version of Xander from Buffy. Which should be kind of fun. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And then I get to be a a, a radio announcer guy for another one. That's kind of going to be kind of fun too. Yes, this is from Tim over there. Uh, I've just learned of the podcast and have been catching up. In episode 102, the Hitchcock Part Two, you guys mentioned Claire Danes and then specifically the Mod Squad Squad remake. Mm -hmm. I was wondering. For me, Mod Squad maxed out the number of overused movie cliches ever compiled in one flick. And I thought it might be funny if there's a podcast or topic of which movies have the most cliches, either good or bad, of all time. Mod Squad was just unspeakably poorly written I, I think that could be a fun topic yeah yeah no it's, it's gonna be it's mostly like, 80s action movies but well it's like wow like where do we begin you know i mean anything by michael bay is like you know just a just a stacked high you know collection of the cliches but no that's a good point and mod mod squad is definitely up there that's a terrible film too um yeah yeah no, yeah. no we should do that so, yes th- thanks thanks for emailing us tim um, if you want to email us, you can do that. You can shoot us an email over at Dave Barry Ethan Podcast, all at screengeeks.com. Uh, if you want to shoot us an email, you know, yeah, I'm not going to use the sounder anymore. I don't know why. It just kind of loses the magic for some reason. Uh, but if you want to give us a call, if the stupid thing will come up, yes, that's right. I didn't do it again. My number, the number is 719 358 2675. You can catch podcast episodes over at screengeeks.com, along with several reviews I've put up from movies that I've seen off the Stars Denver Film Festival. Um, I, we're talking about possibly doing a topic about the London Film Festival next week or having something to go on along with that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm working with Gun, on getting Jack on, and uh, we'll have all kinds of fun stuff going on. Um, I guess that's about it for this week. It's been a pretty packed episode, I think. I would say so, yes. And I even remembered to unpause it after the break. That's why I was just very scared that I just had done. But That's a terrifying thing. It is, have it we is. We've been recording all this time, or we've just been talking all this For no stuff. good reason. No but we didn't. Good reason. So, until next week, this is Dave. This is Barry. This is Ethan. <laughs> Take it easy. There! Van Damme and Minnie Pearl! <laughs>